Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in the Ivy League, a look inside the ancient 18s in the Ivy League in their upcoming games with all of the stats, trends, and analysis that you want to hear. And now, here's your host, Tom Barton. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Believe in the Ivy League. Yeah, we're going to go talk about the NFL draft. Look, EJ Perry was not drafted, but lands in a good spot. We'll talk about him. I know we did a whole show on him last week, but there was... An Ivy League are drafted in the seventh round, and we will get into that as well. You guys want to get in touch with me? It's Tom Barton Sports at Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter, TomBartonSports.com. Love you guys to check me out there. And my YouTube channel, Tom Barton Sports over on YouTube as well. You want to get in touch with me and send me an email? Yeah, we can do that as well. TomBartonSports at gmail.com. So let's get into it. Look, I did a, an entire show on EJ Perry. I really was excited. I thought that he would be that first quarterback that we've had in a long time, right? His name was not called after three days of the NFL draft, but he is in camp, okay? So he signs a free agent deal with the Philadelphia Eagles. E.J. Perry becomes um, that guy that you look at and you go, okay, now we got to root for him to kind of make the squad. Perry was going to become, or we thought he was going to become, the first quarterback selected from the Ivy League since 2005. And really, uh, just a second in Brown's extended history. Fitzpatrick was out of Harvard. Obviously, we know that in the seventh round. And he has had plenty of success. Rod Bateman, by the way, was taken by the Bengals in the seventh round in 1976. And he uh, had one year with the Bears. So Perry was going to be that guy. And I I don't think that this is an anti-EJ Perry thing. And I don't think I was overly wrong saying that Perry should have been taken. This was a suppressed quarterback market. We the the over under set by the sports books around the country was three and a half quarterbacks taken in the first round. There was one. Okay, taken by the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kenny Pickett. Malik Willis was assuredly going the first round. There was conversation about Malik Willis going number six overall. Would he get outside the top ten? Would he get past the Seahawks? and go fall outside that top 10. No, no, probably Willis, no. That was a lot of the conversation. He wasn't picked at all on day one. Slipped past day two, I, I mean, past round two. I mean, Malik Willis kept fell and fell and fell. So it was a suppressed quarterback market by anybody's estimation. I think that's what pushed E.J. Perry down. As you looked at some of these players, you go, okay, well, you know, we're going to keep pushing down and pushing down and pushing down. He looked good against Brown. Look, he had a really good year. We talked about 3,435 yards from scrimmage, 30 touchdowns. Um, he was a, a very good player, but coming, coming from a small school, and a small school that didn't play well. I mean, they didn't have a, a very good number. Well, you, you go, okay, you had to do some things in the offseason. Well, he was fantastic in the East West Shrine game. He got the MVP there. He really did well at the Combines. He really showcased well at Indy. Things were fantastic for him, but again, it was a suppressed market. So the Eagles go up and they go, okay, we have Jalen Hurts, who is this running quarterback. He's a dual threat. How about let's get somebody kind of that that could play that role? And I think Perry does a lot of those kind of things. Now, Gardner Minshew and Reed Sinnett are the backups. 
This is a West Coast scheme that they run under Nick Sirianni. I think that's something important to understand because from the people that I spoke to, by the way, they also drafted Carson Strong. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, they they signed Carson Strong who went undrafted. Carson Strong, people thought, was a third-round pick. People were arguing that Carson Strong was a third-round pick. The night of, guys that, guys that I'm friends with were arguing Carson Strong as a third or a fourth-round pick, probably top five quarterback going off the so he's in camp also. But the system helps here. Even Todd McShay said, he said he's got the right system. It's a West Coast system. Um, you know, he, they, Todd McShay said, I think he'll be a number three in the league and he'll have a chance to work himself into a backup role. I always believed that he was going to be a solid backup. I mean, that's what I believed. And then after the draft, Perry met with 20 teams. So, you know, the signing right away does help. It really does help. Nine quarterbacks were selected, and that's that's quite a bit. I, I'm a little upset that he wasn't. I, I really am. I mean, Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. I'm a little upset that he wasn't, but I like his landing spot. When you do go undrafted, at least you get to kind of pick your future. And I do like his landing spot. Look, I would like it a lot more, immensely more, if Carson Strong wasn't in here. Because when you look at Perry and you look at, you know, the situation that he's landing in, Jalen Hurts is the one, Minshew's the two, Reed Sinet is the three. I wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles wanted to dangle Minshew because he's a starter in this league. It wouldn't shock me if they, they dangled him. But Reed Sinet, yeah, he's better than him. The problem is he's got to beat out Carson Strong. If they traded Minshew and you were telling me that it was going to be Hurts, Strong, and then Perry, I'd, I'd feel a lot better about things. But the fact that he's got to go out there and kind of compete in this situation, I think he can beat out Sinet, and, and I think he's on par with Strong. Garden Minshew standing in front of them. Uh, my only thing is this, is that I have already heard rumors that Garden Minshew is kind of on the trading block. I've already heard rumors that people are calling about Garden Minshew because people believe, you know what, he can be a starting quarterback. Specifically, a team like Seattle, bring him back home. Garden Minshew played for Wazoo, Washington State, uh, up in Pullman there. Bring him in, and maybe if a trade happens, we can see this. Look, I think that E.J. Perry makes this team. I mean, that's really my long-winded way of saying that. I think he makes this team. If he doesn't, he's certainly going to latch on somewhere else. But I don't think he's going to have to latch on. I think he he solidly makes this team as a three. I think he works his way up. I think he you know does what we've all known that Carson Strong uh, that I'm I'm sorry that uh, E.J. Perry can do. And maybe he does it a little bit more than Carson Strong. Look, the things that Carson Strong is more than likely a better NFL quarterback when you look at them on paper. But the things that E.J. Perry does, and I highlighted this last week, he brings an intelligence level and a football IQ. His dad is is a head coach, right? Brings an intelligence level and a football IQ that I don't think Strong or Sinet can match. He brings a level of professionalism. And I cover, look, I cover UNLV. This is not a slight to Nevada, but he carries a professionalism that I don't think that Strong can match. And he carries the dual threat notion really well also. I know he's not going to be a leader on the Eagles. He, he can't be a leader and be a third stringer or a fourth stringer and battling for a position. You're not a leader there. But it does help that he won the MVP of the East West Shrine game and all the conversation afterwards it wasn't about 
hey, man, you know, this guy's just tremendous and he's great. It was all about his leadership skills. It was about his football IQ, the acumen that he could bring to the table. That's what the conversation was about. Now, if I'm a head coach of an NFL team, what am I looking at in my quarterback room? I'm looking at somebody that doesn't want to push and give competition to my starter. I want someone that in my backup, look, you're the clear backup, but I can count on you jumping in there. And then down the road for my third stringer, if you're carrying a fourth stringer or a practice squad kind of player, that guy, I want him to be able to be real smart, learn the book really quickly, be a stand-up guy. I don't want a headache with this guy. I don't want to worry about him. Now, I'm not saying that Stronger Sinet will be that, but I know E.J. Perry will absolutely not be a headache. I know E.J. Perry's going to learn that book really quickly. I know E.J. Perry's not going to be any kind of problems. So I think E.J. Perry makes his team. I, I do. I'm rooting for him, and I'll keep you guys up to date with everything. Um, I got a couple of my Eagles reporters down there keeping an eye on it, and I think that he does make the team. The, car, the, the, the strong signing afterwards tells me one of two things. Number one, they don't believe in Sinet. They think they need a third stringer. That's number one. Number two, it tells me, hey, maybe Gardner Minshew's available for them. And number three, it also tells me, you know, there's going to be a pretty strong competition between Strong, Sinet, and Perry if they all are there. I think Perry could win out. I, I know that he comes from an Ivy League school. I know he doesn't have the pedigree. But Nevada's, they, look, Nevada's no, no gangbusters. They're not beating up on people, right? This isn't a quarterback factory there either. So I think Perry makes the team. With that said, you know, bad job by me by not highlighting the guy that was drafted from the Ivy Leagues last week. And and it's a bad job by me because I got way too caught up in the E.J. Perry situation. I got way too caught up in, wow, the Ivy Leagues might have a quarterback finally drafted again. Maybe this is the guy. I got too caught up in that. And I even had the conversation that normally you look at fullbacks, and I did the fullback conversation. Didn't seem like anybody wanted. Normally you do the tight ends, the tight end conversation. Nope, there wasn't really an offensive line. And I really got overly caught up in that. So bad job by me by not highlighting because we did have somebody drafted from the Ivy Leagues. In the seventh round, the Colts selected Yale cornerback Rodney Thomas with the 239th overall pick. Listen, Thomas is a player, man. And this is a great, great landing spot for him. He's six foot one, 196, redshirt senior. So you look at him and you go, all right. He's got the measurable. You usually want 6'2 or so, but 6'1, 196, that's fine for him. Okay, that's fine. And he's got long arms, 31 and 78 arms. Okay, that's it. He's a first team all Ivy League in 2021. 50 tackles, 35 solo, two picks, 11 pass breakups during his 10 starts. What we know about him is he's a great tackler. That's all anybody will say. Anybody I talk to, great tackler. He's got good size. Like I said, he doesn't have elite size. Plus, he would have been picked in, like, the third round. He doesn't have elite size. He's got good size, though. 6'1", 196. you got to assume they're going to throw 15 pounds of muscle on him, okay? So he's going to get up around that 6'1", 210. And he's not necessarily known as a burner. He's a tackler. That's what he is, okay? But he went out there on his pro day at Yale. 41-inch vertical. That helps a lot. And we talked about a lot of people that were defending the, the Bill Belichick pick of Cole Strange talked about RAS, relative athletic score, right? Uh, he got a 9.24 out of a maximum of 10 
which is absolutely brilliant when you're talking about exactly what he is. And a lot of people jumped on Belichick and said, well, why did he take him in the first round? He was a third-round pick. Even Sean McVay said, I thought we were going to get him at 104. Well, he got he got there because Bill Belichick loved the RAS. And, and I mean, you talk about RAS. Well, Thomas has got it in space. He, he looks fantastic there. Um, so you, you look at this and you just say, well, Thomas last season, he had a career-best 81.4 run defense grade. He's a run stuffer at cornerback that can play the size to be a cornerback. He's not a flashy guy that's going to get a bunch of interceptions, even a bunch of knockdowns. They're not really throwing to his side, but you can't run to his side either. So he's effectively shutting off half of the field. That's pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive. Like I said, he's not the fastest guy in a 4 5 one time, okay? But he can tackle. And there are certain defenses and defensive coordinators that love that above everything else. First of all, let me go down down this this little path. First of all, that's fantastic for special teams. Okay, you want a fast guy for special teams, you want a short tackler. Second of all, it's really good for the nickel. Okay, because in the nickel package, a lot of teams now what they're doing is they're flipping the ball out. And what they're doing is, is they're using the wide receiver slash running back position. And it's really a running back coming out of the backfield. And you're trying to get a middle linebacker to cover him. Well, in a nickel or a dime package, you have a guy like Thomas moving up. He's a short tackler. Boom. So he can cover and he can tackle. That's great. But why this is such a good landing spot for Thomas here overall is because the Colts were just decimated in their defensive backfield. They lost Rocky Sin. They lost Xavier Rhodes. And they lost TJ Carey in the offseason. All of them are cornerbacks. Now, they added Stephon Gilmore. And they added Brandon Faskin, but they have an absolute need at corner. They have giant needs at corner. So here's another guy drafted in the seventh round. I don't know if he becomes a stud here, but I think he makes the team. And I think he contributes to this defense. And it's a good defense at that, by the way. I think he makes the team and he contributes to this. So, you know, a bad job by me not highlighting him, you know, Bad job by me not not kind of giving him his own show. But I do want to say, I think it's a good pick. And people that know me, and I, I talk to the draft people out there, everybody kind of, you know, says, oh, you know, you're Ivy League guy. Okay, tell me the truth. Who do you like? After the draft, everyone said, I don't know if there could have been a better landing spot. Their defense likes uh, those pure tacklers as opposed to the burners. There is an opening for him, and he can contribute in many different ways. So, at the end of the draft, guys, I thought Perry was going to be taken. He wasn't. But I'm not that disappointed because I think he has what it takes to make this Eagles roster. And I think the Eagles in that pro style is a good spot for Perry if he does make the roster. By the way, it's a little bit closer to home than normal as well. And Thomas, yeah, Thomas is going to make an impact. I don't know if he makes a huge impact. I don't know if he's a star in this league. I, I don't know. But I think he's a starter in a couple of years. And I think he can make an impact right away. It was a good overall draft for the Ivy Leagues. Thomas, congratulations. Absolutely fantastic. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. Next week, we'll check back with a little bit of baseball, give you an updated numbers on where we sit with Major League Baseball. uh, I'm sorry, with uh, Ivy League Baseball. And as the baseball season comes on, we're also going to keep a track of everything that's going on, any coaching changes, any situational changes, any signings, all of that and more. Lots more coming up next week. Enjoy your day, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.